Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, February 28th, the last day of February. About ready to put that in the review mirror. We're going to start into March. What a crazy time it is. What's what's going on in Ukraine? Can't wait to get Matt Graham on here and get talking about that. I also listened to Les Parker's um, soundbite that he put into us. So great, great content we've got coming to you. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals and realtors and builders and anyone else that wants to listen in. Even got some consumers listening into it from time to time. Graduate students, people in finance, it's colleges. Picked up, we've picked up a pretty good listing uh, group from within certain universities. Really a compliment. Love to hear from you. And thank you so much for many of you that have contacted me to let me know. Hey, a professor turned me on to your your, uh, podcast. It's really good. Appreciate it. Of course, our commitment, the reason they do that is because our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. You know, talk about timely hot topics. Call today's hot topic segment with Brent Chandler, founder and CEO of FormFree, and Kevin Kaufman, vice president of client and partner delivery at Freddie Mac. We're going to be talking about Freddie Mac's recent announcement um, of a capability that allows mortgage lenders to access home buyer income using direct deposit data. And as uh, FormFree is a Freddie Mac partner, we're going to hear all about that and how they're working together, how that came about. You know what? You look at something, some leaders in the industry, obviously Freddie Mac's major leader, uh, they and the other, as we refer to them sometimes, the evil twin, <laughs> Freddie, Fannie Mae, they're leaders. But then you come along, here comes along a guy like Brent Chandler, Mr. Innovative. I got this idea. And he, I just love his energy and his positive outlook. And so we're going to have both Kevin and Brent on in the podcast. You're going to enjoy this interview. I enjoyed my pre-call preparation for this interview uh, today that's live. We're going to be, uh, I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you and having you be a part of it. It's going to be great. So get your texts out. Text me with questions as we're doing this. Again, text them to 512-632-2900. I'll be sure to put them on and in front of them as best I can. Let's get over and say thank you to some folks that we're partnered with, Industry Syndicate. And just check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. Speaking too quickly here. Anyway, they do a great job of uh, promoting our podcast along, as, along with many others. So check out industrysyndicate.com. Also, a special thank you to the MBA, Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Be sure to get signed up for the Mortgage Accident Alliance application, MAW app, uh, to have your voice heard, support what they're doing on the Hill. They're a powerful voice for us. And uh, we're not the biggest group in the world. The, the, the Realtors Association has a much larger voice. So does the builders. And we need to make sure that we support the efforts of the Mortgage Bankers Association of America and what they're doing. The MBA does a great job. That's how you can do it, whether you're a member or not. You can download the Mortgage Action Alliance app and, again, have your voice heard because when you agree with something they're saying and you post it, it'll go out to all the various representatives, senators in your, uh, for your, where you're located. It's a great tool, great functionality in there. So also Finastra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, grateful for their sponsorship. 
They are a market leader in providing point-of-sale origination platforms. I'm going to be with them this evening. I'm speaking and moderating for Finastra at the ICBA, Independent Community Mortgage Bank, um, Independent Community Mortgage uh, Bankers Association, IMB, or uh, Independent Mortgage, Independent Bankers, IBCA, uh, down in San Antonio. I'm so mortgage-oriented. It's sometimes hard to say banker along with that. So anyway, we'll be down there tomorrow uh, doing a session with all the community bankers flying into San Antonio. So for those of you listening, going to be there. Look forward to seeing you come up. Um, be sure to introduce yourself. Love to hear from you. Also, Lenders One does a great job along with the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co-ops do a great job of communicating um, with each uh, with members and lender members that help Vendor members and lender members, they get everyone communicating better. Again, it doesn't replace the MBA, but both these organizations do a great job of helping bring smaller, more intimate groups together to talk about your business. You know, we've got the uh, Lenders One Conference coming up. I'm flying up on Friday. It's going to be out there. It starts on Sunday. It's out at the Winter Conference in JW Marriott, Marriott. Uh, in Phoenix. Look forward to seeing many of you there. Also, then the Mortgage Collaborative has their TM. TM See Days in Miami at the Fountain Blue. That is going to be March 19th through the 22nd. They're both these co-ops do a great job on these conferences. Be sure to get out to them. Also, one of our newer sponsors, Total Expert, great to have them. They're a leading fintech software company that delivers purpose-built CRM. Love that. Purpose-built. Imagine that. It brings about greater customer engagement and helps so many. And they've got a new platform that they're going to be announcing on our podcast. I heard about it. So exciting. The Total Experience Platform unifies data, marketing, sales, and compliance solutions to provide a cohesive experience throughout and across the customer lifecycle. Check it out. Looking forward to uh, having them on again as guests. Um, we've got them scheduled for March 28th as a guest on the podcast. Also, Knowledge Coop does that great job helping with a learning management system. Go to trythecoop.com to find out about what's being released April 1st. Also, Mobility, MMI, and Modex, both of these tools have you give you access to data that's so rich when it comes to recruiting, what marks go into uh, Modex and Mobility, MMI, which MMI stands for Mortgage Market Intelligence, both these Companies do a great job at giving you intelligence and where to go and how to open up and what markets to open up to and who to recruit in those markets. Also, SnapDocs is an e-vault solution that will uh, help you simplify e-notes and uh, transact across many partners. They are also doing so much when it comes to in the helping e-closings and just pushing the whole e-agenda forward. Checking them out. Also, the podcast we did interview with Vashal Rana here, and we did back in September. Very good information. They're still getting a lot of downloads. Also, Success Kit, Julian Lumpkin at Success Kit helps you tell your story through testimonials. Nothing more powerful than another company or another voice communicating about what you do and have done well for others. Check it out. Success Kit. We interviewed Julian on January 10th. I encourage you to check that out, as well as Lender Toolkit, my friend Brent Empler there, Emler there, as well as Penny Mac. So grateful for them, as well as Form Free, as well as DW Consulting. We're so thrilled to have all these sponsors be a part of it. Special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Allen, and Matt, and Jack Nuttery for their contributions to the podcast each and every week. Let's get moving on with a report from the MBA and Rob Van Rapphorst, MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob, what you got for us? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst, 
Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA released a long-awaited reproposal of updates to the capital liquidity and net worth requirements for servicers of loans backed by the GSEs. These requirements primarily would apply to IMB servicers with certain additional requirements placed on large IMB servicers, i.e. those with with servicing portfolios greater than $50 billion. Comments on the proposal are due on April 25, 2022. FHFA noted that it expects to finalize the updated requirements in the second quarter with most elements taking effect on December 31st, 2022. MBA will further analyze the proposal and develop comments that reflect the vital role IMB servicers play in the market. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. Appreciate you getting that audio filed into us. Check out the MBA's Mortgage Action Alliance app. Folks, encourage you to do that. Let's get over to Les Parker and the TM Spotlight. See what he has for us today. And uh, I listened to this last night, so you're going to enjoy this. Les, go for it. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Waterlinka, Waterlinka, he blinka in time. In Ukraine, bad Putin, small Russian army. Since no one counted on NATO to welcome Ukraine, the markets expect a negotiated settlement. Russia will get a presence in the Ukraine and no NATO. So the market ignores Putin's dance. Provided cyber warfare does not break out, the oil, bond, and equity markets anticipate no significant economic damage to the Ukrainian David and Goliath skirmish. The 10 years trapped below 210, with wild intraday moves and a bias towards lower rates. What a linka, he blinka in time. These views are my own. Find who blinka at tmspotlight.com. What drama? Get him to blink. Oh, Les Parker, the creative. Yeah, and what's going on in Ukraine? He recorded that last week. Of course, what's going on today? It's like, oh my gosh, it's just a. One of those volatile messes. And here to tell us how the markets are responding is Mark Graham. Oh, before I go on to that, be sure to sign up for TS, the TM Spotlight uh, newsletter. You can do so at tmspotlight.com. And uh, you can subscribe if, to the paid version by putting in the word power for Empower. I mean, for um, Power Seller. So put in power, just like Matt Graham is here. And you can sign up for the mbslive.net, get the extended trial period by putting in LOL for Liquid Unlending. Matt, good to have you here. What are, my gosh, I mean, I have been so busy with phone calls this morning. I haven't had a chance to watch all that's going on, so I'm really looking forward to your update. What's happening? Yeah, there's a few things going on in the market past week or so. Um, you know, uh, an interesting move in bonds here and there, maybe a little bit bigger than it has been. Um, seriously, though, it's been ridiculous. Ever since CPI and Bullard's comments uh, two weeks ago and then the the day after that was when the Ukraine headlines intensified, and it has been nonstop back and forth volatility and uh, a lot of confusion and a lot of questions about why things are happening the way they are. Uh, but in general, I think it's fairly logical in the sense that we have a, a major geopolitical conflict and the bond market responding to that in a logical way. I think the the bigger questions come into play when we talk about what's going to happen next, what are the ifs and thens, 
what sort of lasting impact this could have in financial markets. And uh, on that note, you know, my analysis or my take or my opinion really would continue to be what it was before this flared up, which is that in the big picture, longer term, unless something more catastrophic happens, this is temporary volatility for the bond market. Uh, now, if sanctions get onerous enough and uh, the EU and the U.S. fully pull the trigger on banning Russia from SWIFT and, uh, you know, they've already banned certain central bank transactions, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on with all of the, the sanctions and all of the, you know, responses from the international community. But the proof is in the pudding. What happens to you know, the Russian economy and its interactions with the global economy afterward. I think that, you know, most uh, trade desks see a hit to uh, global GDP. As a result, that's generally bond market positive and inflation negative. But then there's an inflation component, too, because of uh, mm -hmm. oil. And I think that was one of the, our first yabbas that we discussed on this podcast. And uh, that's been, you know, there has definitely been a response in oil, but it hasn't been really, really scary. Um, in fact, oil was higher last week and uh, it's still high, still elevated, you know, 95 to $99 a barrel, but it hasn't been skyrocketing. So I think given the fact that a lot of that, uh, the highness or the level of that price is currently accounting for a lot of uncertainty with this conflict, I think if it were to be over today, that price would come down. Um, but, you know, it seems like the average opinion among people who know more about energy than I do uh, would seem to suggest it, it puts upward pressure on oil prices. Not great for inflation, inflation not great for bonds. Uh, the bond market is pricing in more market-based inflation, and that's derived from Treasury Inflation Protected Securities Yield minus 10-year Treasury Yield, uh, that number is higher than it's been in two months. And that had interestingly been fairly low uh, relative, I shouldn't say fairly low, it's not fairly low relative to the past few years, but relative to the past few months, it yeah, was yeah. fairly low in recent weeks, surprisingly so when things like CPI were moving the market so much. Um, in any event, a, a lot left to play out. There's you know, several different, uh, there are several different outcomes here. We don't know which one we're going to get necessarily, but uh, whichever one we get, <laughs> going to have a big effect on how much the geopolitical situation is going to matter. And uh, let's hope we get one that doesn't help rates too much because those are pretty ugly for the world. Um, but how much are they helping rates? Not as much as we might hope, but uh, they have definitely put a ceiling in as of two weeks ago, and uh, a little bit more improvement this morning. Mortgage lenders have been very hesitant because of uh, the, uh, the spread situation and the uncertainty. Uh, we don't like to have big volatile moves accounting for gains. It's not a comfortable thing to base rate sheets on. And then beyond that, uh, MBS spreads have just blown way out since the Fed started uh, talking about more aggressive normalization. And the other component of that is the yield flattening. So, uh, you know, two-year treasury yields becoming more like 10 and 30-year yields due to Fed rate hike expectations. And then if we consider that rates above 4% are ripe for refinancing in the event that rates 
fall below 4% by any reasonable amount in the next five years, that means MBS durations, the average lifespan of a mortgage-backed security, is much shorter now than it was when rates were lower and when those loans were being originated in the upper 2% to, to mid 3% range. So faster speeds, shorter duration, and then match that up against the treasury market where the shorter duration treasuries are doing much worse than longer duration treasuries. And that gives us another reason for MBS underperformance. And then again, just to circle back to volatility, MBS don't like volatility. They will gradually narrow to their best spreads if the bond market is stable. So when the bond market's going crazy, it's another complicating factor. And that's why on several occasions last week, we didn't see rate sheets really improve very much, even though like 10-year treasury yields had dropped quite a bit. Uh, looking a bit better this morning, but you know, if the Ukraine situation comes to some sort of amenable uh, conclusion, or at least a shifting of the gears, then who knows how much of these gains will remain. Economic data, Dave, do we even care? I mean, yes, care. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes and no. <laughs> definitely, definitely overshadowed, but just a quick reminder, uh, we do a Powell testimony on Wednesday and Thursday this week. This is scheduled semi-annual congressional testimony. House, I believe, on Wednesday, Senate on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Those can be market movers. He'll clarify probably the 50 basis point hike stuff that is completely out the window. Not that it was ever a huge likelihood in my mind, but the market for a few hours thought it was. Um, and then jobs report Friday, obviously, you know, we talked about that maybe not being as much of a market mover just before it really made a big difference uh, last month. So <laughs> I wouldn't rule out the jobs report as a market mover, even if it's just because traders are used to making big moves on jobs day. And um, that's going to do it. We're just watching technical levels, going to see, you know, if the market gives us an indication that it's game on. But um, even yeah. if it is game on, we have to, you know, we have to worry or wonder that it could be game off if things changed on the geopolitical stage. Mm -hmm. That's all I got yeah. for this week, Dave. That's what you got. Well, Jack, let's jump you in here. Get any questions you have for you always come with great questions from for Matt before we let him go run off. Anything you want to add to our question on? You know, I do have a question for Matt. Uh, you know, uh, you know, David, we could spend the rest of the day unpacking uh, the conflict in the Ukraine. But, uh, you know, Matt, the one thing that I haven't been able to really get my arms around is, you know, the SWIFT sanctions. Uh, you know, it seems like, um, uh, you know, NATO, the United States have been very um, obscure with exactly, uh, you know, what uh, sanctions have been imposed. Uh, banks haven't been named, you know, the banks that were included in the SWIFT sanctions. Um, and, and clearly, um, you know, this does not uh, close commerce off, right? I mean, we've got oil flowing into the United States, and, you know, Russia uh, uh, and Ukraine constitute 29% of the world's, uh, uh, you know, grain exports. Uh, certainly the Ukraine's not exporting uh, uh, grain right now um, because their ports are closed. But have have you been able to, really unravel, you know, 
which banks are involved, uh, which Russian banks are involved in the uh, uh, current uh, version of the SWIFT sanctions and what that really means to global commerce or at least commerce traded by uh, Russia globally? I mean, I wish I knew anything about any of that because, like you said, the, the SWIFT sanctions have been pretty obscure, and even making sense of exactly what the implications would be uh, are tough for somebody that isn't in, you know, international uh, clearing. And that is uh, a realm that very few people are experts in and uh, even fewer that are talking about it on TV or online. Uh, what we do know, you know, is that SWIFT is like the PayPal of the world, and there is no Venmo in that world. Uh, and so it would greatly decrease the ability for companies that bank with different banks to exchange money securely with one another for, you know, any number of transactions. It's not that there aren't workarounds. It's just that this is such a ubiquitous system that cutting off access uh, definitely takes a hit. Uh, commerce definitely takes a hit. And we haven't seen any huge consequences of that so far. And as far as I understand, most recently this morning, we have some quote unquote targeted SWIFT uh, sanctions, but not nothing that, you know, completely blocks the entire country or every bank in Russia. But, you know, definitely sanctions are, uh, uh, they're more onerous than they had been in 2014. And uh, obviously Russian currency is definitely showing that it's, kind of striking to consider that the ruble was around uh, 30 ruble to the dollar for the 2014 Ukraine situation. Then after those sanctions, it doubled to about 60. And then it was as high as 100 uh, last night. And now I think around 90. I haven't looked in the last few minutes. But, you know, so it's devalued threefold in the past uh, eight years. It's, it's a crazy move. And, you know, 30% of that in the past week. So that has complications. You know, Russia is a big component of uh, the global economy, not a huge per capita component, but it's a big place for a lot of people. So, yeah. Especially with um, oil. You know, the biggest yeah. important. Oil I mean, for there's us. a lot of talk going on about oil. That's a huge problem for Europe, um, not yeah. as much for the U.S. We don't import a lot. Um, the U.S. is the number one petroleum producer right now, and, you know, thankfully so. Uh, but Germany, there's a lot of there's a sticky yeah, situation sure. there, and and yep. we definitely saw an inflation pop in German inflation um, expectations when this whole thing started. So that is something to keep an eye on, since Germany is basically the EU when it comes to markets, uh, since it's such a big part of the the euro economy. Yeah, great stuff. You always bring such good perspective. Great question, Jack. Thank you. I was wondering about yeah, Jack, sorry, I couldn't answer that more authoritatively. It is confusing to everybody I've talked to. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I've been reading and digging, and I just haven't been able to really get any clarity on it. And, uh, uh, you know, so you just kind of reinforced uh, the fact that I didn't miss something in my research. No. Yeah, definitely. You didn't. I was looking at that too. My wife was asking more about the SWIFT banking. She says, well, I got it because we wire money back and forth overseas. And so we got that and familiar with it, but the, the, the inner workings and what this means and the complications it brings and how the implications interest rates is um, not a direct correlation. It's not obvious. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you so much for being here. Let's get over to Alice Alvey, CMB, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. 
with today's legislative update. What you got, Alice? Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, you know, I found Matt's uh, information just really intriguing. You know, for those of us who don't live it every day and don't have the depth of knowledge that Jack and Matt do, uh, I thank you, Matt, for expounding upon that question in a way that helps make a few more things make sense. So thank you for that. Uh, my bit here, I'm going to keep it short because I know we've got some great guests coming up and also because Congress has been closed, you know, so there's not a lot of new things going on. Uh, what was really interesting, though, you know, we've had Mitch Kiter on the show, and so I, I, uh, I really value Mitch's insights and opinions, and we have the Wiener Brodsky Kiter newsletter that comes in as one of the many things that I read. And one of the things that came up last week was a topic that we used to talk about all the time, David, and that was vendor management. Yes. Uh, do you remember when all of that mm -hmm. came out and we oh, yeah. had to spend so much time because lenders were trying to understand how much detail do I really need to go into with each of my vendors? Uh, so I encourage you to check out, uh, there was an FTC recently gave final approval to a settlement with a mortgage industry data analytics firm concerning the company's use of a third party to process sensitive information. Uh, in this complaint, the FTC alleges that the company failed to maintain a comprehensive information security program as required by the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act, which impacts all of us, uh, mortgage, independent mortgage bankers, brokers, um, lenders, you name it, we all have to make sure we're keeping information uh, secure. So this was really interesting because it went into that the company hired a vendor to perform text re recognition scanning on mortgage documents, and somewhere in there was a gap in who had access to information and how the servers were being managed. So just a reminder, I think it's worth it's a case worth looking at because the way it's itemized in the attachment, in the actual final approval from the FTC, gives you really a roadmap as to how detailed of information you should be digging into when you approve your third-party vendors. And it goes many layers. It's not just the vendors I'm using, but are the vendors I'm using also using vendors, right? We now have two mm -hmm. or three layers of vendors uh, that we're all working with. So uh, it was just a good reminder, a topic that uh, needs to get brought to the surface periodically. And uh, this, was, this case was a good reminder that everybody needs to make sure they're taking a look at their processes and they would be able to document and live up to this type of scrutiny. So uh, last but not least, Dave, desktop appraisals are a week away from Freddie Mac. Mm -hmm. So March yeah. 6th, we are looking forward to seeing uh, our LPAs with some indication of when we may be able to get some desktop appraisals approved. So we're looking forward to that next week. Yeah. And that's it for today, Dave. Back to you. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alice. Appreciate it very much. Great job. I mean, the, the, the desktop appraisals are really kind of an exciting thing. Again, I tell everyone, go out, listen to the interview that we did with Alan Weiss. Uh, is that, uh, kind of, so I'm thinking how long ago was I put that in my show notes if you wouldn't mind so I can go back and tell everyone. It's probably about two, three weeks ago, but it's really good. And I encourage you to go check that out. It was one that Jack and I did. Jack, you attest to it. It was one of those exciting interviews, was it not? It certainly was. A lot of innovation there. Anyway, let that Alan Pollock couldn't join us today. He's in the client meeting, so we wish you well, Alan. I uh, always love his updates, but we're going to move right on into the hot topics of it. So that wraps up this week's weekly mortgage update. 
and encourage you that are listening live. Just stay right here. Those of you listening. Uh, oh, Alan, that was so it was February 8th that we published the Alan Weiss uh, podcast. So it was a special podcast. Encourage you to check it out. Uh, uh, it was a special episode. So February 8th, that's when it was. Thank you, Nikki. Appreciate that very much. She works behind the scenes supporting the podcast. Again, this wraps up the weekly update. Let's get into the Hot Topics segment. Welcome, everybody, to the Hot Topics segment. Very excited to have you here with us. It is February 28th, and we have as our special guest today, back as our special guest is Brent Chandler, founder and CEO of Form Free. And joining him is uh, someone I have really enjoyed getting to know is Kevin Kaufman. He's vice president of client and partner delivery at Freddie Mac. And uh, we're here going to be discussing Freddie Mac's announcement of a capability that allows mortgage lenders to access home buyer income using direct deposit data. Very interesting and form free, not surprising, has formed a wonderful partnership with Freddie Mac and how they work together. We're hearing all about it. So, Brent, good to have you back. Kevin, good to have you joining us for the first time. Really appreciate both of you being here with us. Thanks for having us. It yeah, is, delighted. Great yeah, to be back. Brent, I just love the innovation. I love how you find people that have the right mindset to really partner with you and how you do the same inspiring innovation at the GSEs. And specifically today, at uh, we're talking about is Freddie Mac. So, Kevin, first time on the podcast. So tell us a little bit about, your, about yourself so our listeners who have not don't know who you are, get a little more information, who you are, what you're about. All right. Thanks, David. Um, so Kevin Kaufman, I am the head of client and partner delivery at Freddie Mac. And what that means is really uh, responsible for managing the ecosystem providers, such as Brent, LOS providers, POS providers. I get the great opportunity to work with pretty much anyone in the technology space that's on the market, as well as the awesome opportunity to get to work with lenders in in really implementing and optimizing solutions in the market. So it, it's a pretty cool uh, pretty team to be in within yeah. the industry. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I, I love it. I say it all the time. It's uh, I don't like to talk about it because it's mine and you can't have it, um, but it's just a great culture at, at Freddie Mac. And, uh, you know, I, I've been in this industry for 20 years, mm-hmm. a little over 20 years. And I can tell you, I've sat in a lot of different seats from, the loan originator to processing to compliance training to underwriting to loss mitigation back when we used to be able to knock on doors to to make you know collect checks and and different things and it was very interesting and went on and spent about 10 years developing uh, technology uh, in the mortgage space so another you know from Brett and I have had this conversation a lot in the past it's it's been about timing of ideas means a lot Uh, and, and I think Brent and team and working with us at Freddie Mac have really, you know, timing matters in the industry. So really excited to be here and talk about this topic. We're really excited to have you here. And then on February 15th, Freddie Mac announced, Kevin, that uh, about this capability that allows mortgage lenders to access home buyer income uh, using direct deposits. And uh, for our listeners unfamiliar with this news, walk us through how this all works. I think it's a great, so encouraging. It is, and it's it's one of the more exciting times, I think, to be in the industry for multiple reasons, uh, this being one. And I, I, I want to start off by saying, and I'll probably say it multiple times, but here at Freddie Mac, along with our partners like Brent at Form Free and the rest of his team, 
we believe we're building a better mortgage process. That's so important to think about. And so you think about all the costs, all the steps, all the compliance. You know, how, how do you look at things in a way that when we're creating all of these additional, all these new, all these wonderful things that are a part of your process, but how do you take a look at them and say, how can they get optimized, right? And so at Freddie Mac, we have a mission that's focused on affordable home ownership, sustainable housing, creating access to credit and equity in housing. And so these things, and to break it down very specifically, I'm gonna make it very easy for the folks to understand. If you're a client of Form Free leveraging account check, you now, you're providing that asset data, you're reviewing the, the report, and at that point in time, you have the ability to see the direct deposits from a borrower, which then can be leveraged as income. And so through our integration and our partnership with Freddie Mac or with, with Form Free, Free, we have yeah. the ability to, to really take that information from Form Free and be able to ingest it and come up with the desired income for that transaction that's accessible through the assets. Well, I, uh, add to that, Brent? Yeah, I was going to say, Brent, uh, yeah. I'm really interested in this partnership and how this all came about and how you fit into all this. Well, let me just say, David, first of all, thank you for, you know, having me and, and, and Kevin being able to talk about this important initiative that is, it really is a tipping point in an evolutionary cycle that's been going on for the past decade. Um, it's probably one of the biggest in, enhancements and advancements of technology usage and data intelligence in terms of creating that greater efficiency in the mortgage process to date. Um, <clears throat> why? You say why? What, what, and how do these relationships begin? So. You know, Kevin and I have known each other for so many years now. Um, we've become friends in terms of working together. But our true inspiration is really, as he said, um, creating greater credit efficiency models for everybody. It's not for certain types of individuals, but it's for everyone. And so the ways that we can begin to look at information differently from, from the source, you know, this journey started – with the creation of Form Free. You know, we introduced ideas yep. I remember as that. early as 2009. Yeah, as early as 2009. And, and Freddie Mac has, was one of the first to, to begin working on theses towards improving the process, understanding the value of this data that was coming from a source book of record, from, from the, the actual source. We could rely yep. on it. So that then began all these inspirations that are now culminating, you know, with, with this announcement on February 15th. So the relationships started many, many, many years ago. The efforts and the work effort that all the teams put in, it's really an exciting, innovative time to, as Kevin said, to be in, in this industry because we're seeing the culmination of that happening right, right now. I mean, I, I, you know, to hold me in a seat is really hard, but it's really the <laughs> – it, 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 it is because this is well, really revolutionary. That is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, when we think about the impact it has on the industry um, and, and where it's headed, we're really getting to this place 
where instant information and and the ability to evaluate that information and for consumers and borrowers to understand, you know, what they're capable of and lenders to be able to have, like I said, greater efficiency, but also understand risk. And for those investors, Freddie, it's, it's, it's really a three, everybody wins in this situation. Um, Right. And so to be able to work on that and to be able to provide pioneering ideas towards that and to work together in concert with a major organization like Freddie Mac, mm-hmm. uh, it's a dream come true. And then Kevin has the dream job. And to boot, I get to work with, with Kevin. Kevin. And then you get to work with Kevin <laughs> and the whole the whole concept. Or get, I'm going to come to you, Alice. Yeah, I'm going to come to you, Alice, in just a moment with another question, but I'm looking at some questions already coming in from our listeners, Brent and Kevin. And if you guys, several of them are saying, would like a little bit more. Could, he, could they each expound a little bit more on the 215, the February 15th announcement? They, a little more color and detail about that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So we can bring it now. So the, the guide bulletin comes this week. You'll actually see it available within Freddie Mac's guide update on March 2nd. So the countdown is on, but to break it down, it's pretty simple, right? Please. 93% of all people in our country, 93%, let that sink in, are paid via direct deposit. Mm -hmm. And so when you're able to look at this information, validate, and so this could be social security, this could be VA benefits, this -hmm. could be other levels of fixed income, or W-2, right? So it's really just those things that are truly a W-2 paid employee. And so by leveraging an account check solution, by looking at assets, right? And so if it's a W-2 baseline pay, you need 12 months. If you start to look at beyond uh, that history of information, we're looking at a greater period of time, only looking at the income. But for something like fixed income, we're looking at a two-plus-month history to be able to determine, is this a repeatable source of income, right? And so you think about the borrower aspect of this. You have to think about it from the standpoint of how many times have you received the wrong documentation from a borrower? How many times have you had to make incorrect calculations, right, in, in your submission? And so once you get this from account check, you make your submission to LPA, we're going to come up with and we're going to tell you income's good, income's bad, you need more, whatever it is, and we give you that thumbs up or thumbs down that tells you what steps to take. But in the reality of it is, in more cases than not, we're going to be able to provide you with the, the sense of, of the direction that you need to go with this transaction at the point of sale, which is extremely crucial. Very crucial. Brent, you want to add to that real quickly? How do you play a yeah, role in, in, in the in the in the vein of uh, simplicity? Um, <laughs> anyone who is currently using our products in any capacity through a POS uh, directly with us uh, or a proprietary system, you just those folks that are actually using it. We have we we count close to 3,500 lenders on our application um, <clears throat> today, and. For any of those lenders that are actually using account check or have access to it and haven't used it, <laughs> this is a compelling reason to begin using it on every loan. Um, we think of it as, 
really the first time, to, to Kevin's point, 93% of Americans have a direct deposit, which could That's be evaluated. Yeah. It's a huge opportunity to streamline your market efficiency. This turns yeah. into, if time is money and margin is what we're constrained to look at growing, um, then time is margin. And this is going to cut 15 days in a process. It's going to be instant access. You have to opt into the program. But effectively, okay. opting into the program enables the access to this data, and then we do the rest. It's, it's, it's really streamlining the process one step further than it's ever been. Love the innovation. Alice, let's get over to you for a question. Sure, I do. I think this is amazing, and I, I love it. So uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, you know, on uh, how to get started. It sounds like it's already there and, and plug and play. I'm, I'm assuming we just need to reach out and learn some more. Is that is that correct? Yeah, and I, I, I can exactly. jump in. Um, so yeah. let, let me just say, so to get started from this, as Brent just mentioned, so we look at it from an opportunity to help lenders optimize their, their process. So as we've been at this for a long time, you have to think about how many successes and failures have there been in implementing technology. I heard all the advertisements. It's amazing to hear all of the, the updates from Matt, from Alice, from you on the desktop appraisal, but what is success? Success is actually having a plan to implement. And so if you just go, we're going to turn it on and we're going to close our eyes and the world's going to be great, some of you might get it right. But in a large set of cases, what we want to do is engage in, in making sure that you're thinking about the things that matter. And things that matter are, have you trained your LOs? Have you trained your underwriter? Have you developed a marketing campaign? Have you analyzed what percentage of loans do you typically get that fit into the fixed income bucket? Let's develop that plan that's really going to start to build up success for your organization. Because we know in so many cases across our industry, loan officers are going to get comfortable with something until it doesn't work. Right. And then once it doesn't work, they're going to go, send me all your bank statements and pay stubs and all of these things that I don't need. And you're going to say, because we're going to help you implement it and develop a process that tells you when to ask for the documents, why to ask for them. That's where we're going to really start to see the tipping point in this industry. And I can tell you, so from my seat, we've started to see that tipping point in the adoption of these tools in a successful, optimal lens over the past two years more than ever leaps and bounds of percentages of clients adopting and adopting at a high rate and seeing utilization grow and grow. And that comes from, and I say this is part of the Freddie Mac edge that we believe is we're here to help. And so we have dedicated implementation resources that when you're working with us and we're partnered with Form Free, that we don't stop there, that we're not blind to the opportunity, which is, hey, who is your POS provider? Who is your LOS provider? So if I'm partnered with all of them. Brent's partnered with them. Let's all come together and develop a plan that's truly unique for your operation to really make you successful. Yeah, that's such a good point. You're talking about touching. It's, it's speed, which we get these loans done more quickly, and, and then, which also has an impact on cost. Uh, Jack, let me dive in on this. Yeah, uh, you know, exciting stuff, guys. Exciting. Have you done some research around improvement of 
cycle times in the loan process uh, or the loan throughput process uh, and, and how, you know, significantly that's going to be impacted uh, by, by, this in, by this significant in, in, innovation. At Freddie Mac, we have. We, we've been spending a lot of time analyzing data uh, of the success and failure points of mm-hmm. these types of solutions. And so you start to think about it. We released in, I want to say it was November of 2021, uh, we completed a cost to originate study. Uh, and we, we broke it down. It's available on Freddie Mac single family website that you can review this document. It is extremely powerful material. And so you take a partner like Brent and you put that into the mix and you say, you know, what is this doing for a lender? And what we can tell you is that lenders are going to vary from size, right? So we did part of the study that you'll see within here, you're going to see large lender and what's the definition of a large lender, a medium lender, and then a small lender. And so what is the differences? Those lenders who are leveraging these tools are originating at a cost that's three times less than the counterparts who are not. So I, I want that to sink in because that is so massive. And it so is. you have your variations of it. There are, even at the top, you see folks that are blowing others out of the water. And so it, it's a matter of, again, I think where it's come is some people think they have to be technology savvy in order to leverage these things. And that's not true. You have so many technology solution providers on the market that are providing this. Like Form Free, they're doing the hard work for you. They are integrated to the POS and LOS. And so these things, how do we help you develop those best practices? That's the difference between the tops and the bottoms is they've actually figured it out how to implement and get to their audience, which is what do they care about? A reduction of cost to their operation, a better customer experience, a better Mm-hmm. loan officer experience, right? right? So they're, you're trying to get new business in the door. And one of the things that we care about at Freddie Mac is, you know, a greater quality loan, which can't get lost in all of this because that quality is just as important as any other aspect. And then finally, it's the creating access to credit, uh, which is just so dynamic and, and something we're heavily focused on. Yeah, that cost well, study... Know, Go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. I was about to say, uh, uh, you know, Kevin, I think you hit on an important uh, aspect of this that sometimes gets lost in the reduction of cycle times and the cost to originate, and that is this will this will tap down on manufacturing defects. That limits exposure of seller servicers to Freddie Mac for future repurchases, and additionally, this will tap down on uh, fraud in the area of income where, you know, when fraud shows itself, uh, income and assets are uh, one of the most prevalent places that you see fraud occurring in today's market. And, and Brent says it all the time, right? It's source data. How do we mm-hmm. get the source data? And that's what really allows all of this to work it, are those two things. And um, it, it's just so evident so, so one of the other things that we do at Freddie Mac within my group is, is we work with lenders, as I said, to help optimize. And we've done cost analysis at the lender level uh, with very specific lenders. You wouldn't believe the reduction of cost just in that very specific um, defect space 
just that alone. And so we have the opportunity and we have resources. Like I said, we're here to help and we can help lenders think about it much bigger and we can help them develop just their own understanding of what their cost is, which is a baseline which starts to set everything in motion of why and how to adopt. Yeah, and I want to say we're going to put a copy of the link on the show notes uh, for those of you that want to see the study that he's talking about, the cost study. I mean, Freddie Mac does so many wonderful things with their studies and what they're in. Thanks for sharing that link with me earlier. I want to make sure that we share that with our listeners. So you will get that link if you want it. That was published back, when was it, October? Is that correct, Kevin? I had November in my head. Yeah, maybe it is November. Yeah, it was, it was last late last year, fourth quarter. Uh, I think yep, it, I believe it was fourth quarter uh, last year, so it was published. But November. Great, yep. Yeah, great relevant information, listeners. You need to get download that. So go to our website, look at on lending, and click on the link. I'll get Nikki to put that in there. So um, very, very interesting information. You know, Alice has already asked about how to get started, so we kind of got that information. But, Brent, when it comes to this type of uh, product and how it fits inside there, one of the questions came in, is this really ready to go? Is Brent actually re- launched this? Where do we stand? <laughs> Going you. Yeah, I, mean, I think oh, yeah. We're I mean, ready. That, there's been more than one better. Now, you don't do this. I don't think it's all about you, Brent, and, the, and your leadership there at Form Free is you don't launch pre or talk about it behind. And unfortunately, there's enough vendors out there that do talk about things that are coming as if they're here now. And that's what I love you about. So I take that basis for that question that came in. Well, let, let me, let me um, say this and thank you for the question. Um, it's absolutely ready. It's been ready. Uh, and, and what, what, what we really get excited about, and I think the way to understand a little bit building off of Kevin's comment about, you know, source data, truth data, and then how do you gain access to it and make it actionable for lenders and, and borrowers. Um, that's our job. That's what we do. That's what I set out to do 13 years ago. Um, and so what it's culminated with this, this point, this, this, this time that we're at, is this same information. It's really about understanding the, the data itself, where it comes from. So if we have truth versus trust, the, mm-hmm. the source data I, I, I represents – the truth. I, I wrote an article about truth versus trust, and it's truth in data. So in order to become a non-fungible token, in order for even, let's just you know, tangentially talk about crypto, in order for that to actually happen, source data, it's the source, the self-sovereignty of the data. That's what all of this is about. It's where it started. The germination of what we're talking about today started over a decade ago. Source data gives us Greater purchase, uh, greater purchase certainty. So when we take the source data and analyze it, so this is deep analytics and intelligence that goes into that simple, what we call a bank statement, right? What I recognize and what we have recognized with Freddie and working together is the wealth of information that resides in this new data pool. You know, these this, it's a universe of data that's never been looked at because it's been trapped in a paper confine. Now, in the digital realm, because we're harvesting it digitally from the source, we know it's the book of record. It is the accurate, most accurate reflection of that borrower's asset information. And contained in that is a wealth of information to help that borrower achieve access to credit, 
And that's what these projects, these 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 massive year-long projects are leading to is understanding that data to the point where we say, yes, we can rep and warrant this information. We've looked at it. We've tested it, ensured the security of the information, and we've actually created more security around it. If you think about security in the realm of this, this particular announcement, income based on your asset data, we're looking at direct deposit. In that direct deposit, not only do we see the name of the employer, we also see the amount of the net income that's coming in. We can see the recurring patterns of it up to a year. We can, we're very able with intelligence, natural language processing and machine learning. There's no biases whatsoever assessed to the data. The data is not altered, manipulated, or changed, period, the end. It's just factual data with business rules applied that enable us to make these discernments. And when you think about the, the level of, of this announcement, you know, what this really means is that it achieved a proof point that enabled one of the largest organizations in the world and purchasers of loans to make this discernment, right. it's huge. It's a, it's uh, a huge it. moment in time. And, yeah. and the only way you achieve these types of achievements, the only way we get to this point is through due diligence. It takes years and years and years of testing, of, of collaborating the information, of lenders who have participated. There's many lenders that should get kudos for having participated. But, but in the end of the day, it's ready to go. Why? Because we've done we – pull we pull these accounts every single day by the tens of thousands. <laughs> and so this is absolutely ready to go because it's a product you already know and love. You're using mm -hmm. it. We're yep. just extrapolating more information from it because of the intelligence. And this is what's going – this is – all of it comes down into direct source data plus that straight-through processing. These aren't paper reports that are floating through the ecosystem. Mm. These yep. are not floating through the ether with customer information on them. <laughs> this is a token. This token is actually being pushed through the system where Freddie actually receives a token of acknowledgement and then retrieves the data – from form free in a direct API environment. It's the safest form of, of transfer of information that you can have. Yeah. And so yeah. this is what is so exciting about these things. There's so much beneath the surface that you can't even see. It's not just, oh, do an account check and get yeah. income improvement. And, but all the other things that come with it, the, the time margin, uh, the, 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 the time savings, which increases margin, right? So, so now it's an instantaneous review of this information, and then it's, a, it, it's an approval, which gives greater purchase certainty. Why? Because we understand the data at that. Yeah, and a couple of key words that you said were there, it's available instantly. It's in here. You have it. You have access to it. Yeah. And it just increases yeah. the whole the, the whole trust, and it reduces cost. Uh, Alice has got a question. I want to get over to Alice. Go ahead, Alice. Go ahead with your question. Yeah. So as we as we look at what's typically on a bank statement, that would be my net paycheck. And so I'm curious how you make that adjustment. Do you actually have visibility into the growth and the whole paycheck, 
how are you making the adjustment for the fact that it's a net amount and all our ratios need growth? Great question. Yeah, so most things around policy, um, I can tell you we're going to have various different uh, credit risk policy uh, individuals working with lenders across the board. But to give you some idea, when you come up with your calculation leveraging a pay stub is through a series of, of steps, right? Um, and through those series of steps as an ex-underwriter, I would have analyzed the pay stub, I would have looked at multiples, I would have looked at um, you know, tax returns and all of the information that I would have had available to me, which will allow me to get to my summation of here is the income that would be leveraged for qualification, and as we've heard Brent say, ability to pay, and, and what does that look like? And so from within Freddie Mac, we have various different sources of information that's pulling from this direct deposit data that allows us to look at so many different things that we can come up with a calculation much like an individual would in that case. And um, where we may not agree with a client or a lender and, and someone wants to push for a, a greater usage of income, um, absolutely uh, we, we can support existing methodologies of underwriting uh, from that point on. Yeah, it's just fascinating. Okay, Jack, so I know... if I'm under... Go ahead, Yeah, Allison, so sorry. if I'm understanding, it'll be the warranty, we'll get the rep and warranty or the approval based on your kind of backing in or grossing up based on uh, algorithms and maybe some standard tax rate assumptions. Uh, but then from there, if we don't like that, we would then potentially say, you know, I got a tighter deal than that. My rate, I need to actually go with true gross income. Then I would just pivot and, and get full documentation or, or get pay stubs and, and move on. And, and that's right. And I think one of the things to keep in mind at that point in time is, and, and I can tell you, I mean, here, one of the big things that, that I would leave you with is I joined Freddie Mac almost four years ago. Um, from that standpoint, I joined Freddie Mac because of the unbelievable positive momentum and culture that I could witness from my prior seat. And so when you feel that momentum, it comes with ideas. And so just as you identified, we have the ability and to work with lenders is to create a place where you can know that answer, not when the loan is in underwriting, but rather when the loan is at the point of sale before you ask for the documentation. And we can tell you that at that immediate point, so where you can determine, I'm going to collect documentation from a borrower, you already know where you stand. And that's extremely important and things that we're gonna to continue to evolve is how do we move things further up so that we can help you create that better borrower experience at all times to reduce the cycle time and to create that better experience as a whole. That's I love Jack. that. That's some real out-of-box thinking that most people wouldn't have thought of. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, that's really good. Jack, I know you had a question down the same vein that uh, Alice's question. Uh, do you have any other aspects of the question that Alice basically no, asked? I think it was addressed you know, when, uh, you know, the lender has the ability to uh, flip over to gross income, you know, David, right. my question was really focused on, you know, the the natural deducts that you're going to see, uh, you know, from uh, a paycheck to a direct deposit, such as 
employee stock purchase programs, 401k contributions, uh, you know, that won't be, you know, reflected in, in, in the direct deposit. You know, both of those, the borrower could terminate, That's right. uh, you know, to uh, create more disposable in, income. But I, but I think that got answered, uh, you know, uh, when, you know, the comment was made that you can flip the gross. Yeah. Kevin, any That's just your standard well? underwriting. Yeah, just no, I mean, measure. you guys yeah. got it. And and the the thing that I would say more than anything is, you know, innovation is is here and it's it's in front of us. And so what we have to do now is an opportunity to help folks implement because the success is real. Uh, this is something that has been piloted, and the pilot lenders leveraging this have had great success. Um, we, we've seen so much information come through that pilot, um, and, and thanks to our regulator who we worked with to ensure that this was going to be something that is um, of value, a reduction of risk, a reduction of cost, and created an opportunity to evaluate and access credit unlike it's ever been done before is a goal that we were extremely excited to be able to hit here. So, Yeah. And then also just I keep coming back, especially with the reduced cost component, speed and reduced cost, because we're in a margin crushing kind of narrowing business right now on that. Yes, Brent, you've been uh, I just really I'm, I'm just impressed like heck at how you can seem to connect with and find these kind of opportunities. Um, several people have asked about the passbook and the token. If you could just touch on it, the listeners go back and listen to some other podcasts. Nikki will put in the show notes. Uh, she'll put in those links to those previous podcasts when we get this published again. Uh, but Brent, if you could touch on that real, real quickly, because we've got to wrap this up. Yeah, no, it's, it's passport. And it's much like, you know, your access to a foreign nation or carries with you your, the consumer's, really the their financial dna and and what this is this is really building out towards and you're seeing these two worlds merge together but you know the mission that 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 we carry is really democratizing lending for all mm-hmm. borrowers and and that means you know, understanding what that borrower's ability to pay is with capacity so capacity effectively in the accounting world um, alludes to can they afford it? Can this person, mm-hmm. can I afford this particular loan? And what Passport is doing is effectively gathering all of this information on behalf of the consumer with their permission to understand asset income, employment, identity, liens and judgments, and credit, assemble it into a, into a knowledge index, which effectively says, hey, I could effectively afford a $500,000 loan at this at this interest rate before I even enter into the loan process. So what these two, where these two worlds merge and converge is really, you know, by delivering that data to the consumer prior to even entering the loan process, that's a passport. This is, um, and then having, you know, Freddie Mac be able to receive that data in a token form, that's the straight through processing. That is the effective non-fungible token flowing into the, the downstream um, users of that data. And so with permission by the borrower to share that information with the lender, lender then shares that information um, with, you know, the, uh, with Freddie Mac, and that is the flow. That's what we call 
straight through processing. And then that effectively gives you greater purchase certainty. It's all about risk. I mean, David, the way I break this down is Passport basically gives transparency to the consumer, to the borrower. I can know who I am and what I'm capable of. And then Mm -hmm. the lender can know who I am because we're strangers. We're strangers passing in the night, right? And then ultimately, who's, who's taking all the risk? I mean, I think lenders take assume risk for a short period of time until such time as they make best efforts and then sell that loan. And then Freddie Mac takes risk by virtue of understanding, hey, I'm purchasing these loans. They meet the guidelines. And we all, we're all helping each other do the same thing. And it's really just a risk reduction and, and creating a more efficient market that reduces the costs and, and creates a, a much more uh, seamless ex- experience for everybody. It's just a better borrower experience for the for me, the borrower, I want to go through a, a simple process using my digital data and then effectively achieving home ownership, you know, with, without the biases. I mean, if I can afford the loan, I'm a renter, let's just say, and I can afford a loan of upwards of $1,500 mortgage payments a month. Um, I'm paying 2000 in rent. Um, makes sense. I, you know, it just – all these things start to make sense. And what we are is exposing – with intelligence, with with just hard facts. This is factual information. There's no gray area, <laughs> and there's no biases associated with the data. So Passport is effectively harvesting this information with the consumer's permission. Everything's permission. We're not reselling the data. We're not a marketing machine. We're not doing that. We are here purposely to help borrowers get into home ownership. That's our and, mission. And- Democratize yep. lending. Yep. And there's, I mean, I encourage listeners to go check out the links that we're going to be, Nikki will be putting in the podcast show notes. Uh, go back over it when you want more information. We got, we dive in this in a deeper way in previous podcasts with Brent. And uh, we're out of time, gentlemen. I just, oh man, it goes so quickly. But I want to say thank you to you both very, very much. Jack, do you have any wrap up comments? Alice has already had to jump off and go to another meeting. Jack, do you want to wrap up any, have any other wrap up questions? Yeah, you know, from a process engineering standpoint, you know, I think Maybe your favorite topic. it's universally accepted that, you know, the verification determination of income during the underwriting uh, component of the loan throughput process from a time, an, uh, time activity standpoint is probably the longest pole in the tent, guys. And, and it's exciting to hear. I mean, I can just see the world you know, where this truthful data, and, you know, I just like the way you said that, Brett, is consumed in a in an underwriting bot, right? And we take something that uh, was once the longest pole, and we can make it one of the shorter poles in the throughput process, saving, you know, time, saving money, and ultimately reducing the, the proclivity that a – a significant or material error is created in the origination process, ergo reducing risk. It's a win. It's a win, guys. Agreed. Now, Thank you. And I, I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and it, and it, is, it is an exciting time in the history of our industry. I mean, these are unprecedented times in the world, you know, and we see a lot going on, um, both good and bad. And and but I would say that with respect to our industry, this is groundbreaking. Yep, it is. 
And I appreciate the work with, with, with Kevin, his team. I mean, there's hundreds of people <laughs> that we should be thanking. Yes, um, and, and like I yeah. And so it's been a pleasure. Thank you, David, for calling attention no. to it and giving us this time. Yeah. Oh, thanks for bringing it to our attention that we could share it with our listeners. It's excellent. Kevin, Brent, I just compliment you both on working together. Kevin, we want to get to know you. A lot of people are writing, who is this guy? I like him. I got a bunch of comments. Oh, everyone just jumps in with the, you know, the thumbs up stuff. But a lot of questions. Not hard to in. find. Yeah, well, I encourage people. We'll put a link. We'll put a link in here to your LinkedIn profile so people can learn more about you. But I tell you, you do a great job in this partnership, and I compliment you both for this kind of innovation is bringing into, like Jack said, it's just groundbreaking. And Brent, you said it so well, changing our industry forever for the better. Excellent. Good. Appreciate it. Have a great week, everybody. And uh, appreciate you both being here next week, folks. We've got Chris. You You bet. It's been a pleasure guys. Uh, Next week. We've got Chris Zingo from Finastra. Again, the largest FinTech company in the world. Um, They're, Privileged, we're privileged to have them as a sponsor, one of our anchor sponsors for many, many years. We're thrilled to have them there. But we're going to be talking with Chris about what he's seeing going on. Again, I'm joining the Finastra team down in San Antonio here this afternoon uh, for the Independent Community Bankers Association, ICBA's um, lending conference that's going on down there. So for those of you listening, we'll look forward to seeing you there. And we're so grateful for Finastra and looking forward to hearing Chris's comments next week. Say a special thank you to all of our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Cooperative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, PennyMac, Total Expert, and Form Free. Form Free, we're so grateful for you, Form Free, and all the innovation you're bringing to our industry. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.